This is the Squared Goal Podcast with Mark Morris and Jared Maruyama. Hello and welcome back to the Squared Co. Podcast. For those of you who remember or don't remember, I am your host, Mark Morris. And with me, as always, we have Mr. Jared Mariyama. Jared, so how been, are you doing? Been a little busy. Been a little busy. <laughs> times, times are different. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we are in an interesting time right now. And the last time you heard from us... Uh, it's it's funny because we left you on a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Avatar season two, we we talked about and everybody was expecting the season three wrap up. Yep. So really quick, let's just say Avatar season three was great. There's there you your go. Wrap up. <laughs> the conclusion. Uh, I mean, obviously, we love the show, so it, you know we don't need to go over it again, but. Yeah, it has fun. literally been a year. <laughs> it's been yeah. a year since the last episode. So, so yeah. again, it, you know, we're in a weird time right now. Everybody's in quarantine. I don't want to talk too much about that yet because who knows how long this is going to be. And if we start talking about quarantine stuff now, we're going to run out of material and maybe be on another hiatus sooner rather than later. Mm. So this episode is just a recap of kind of where, what Jared and I have been up to the past about a year now. Um, I think the last episode we just figured out, we recorded last March. So it's literally been a year since the last Squared Co. podcast episode. Yeah, yeah. But we should we should say a little bit about it, though. Don't you think? Like, this is a time capsule of sorts of what's happening exactly right now. It's, it's April 20th when we're recording this. Uh, we're, so we're just over a month would you say? Right, into it. Into yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't want to say that we're not going to talk about it. I think it's it's impossible to have any conversation right now yes. without that coming up. But uh, just saying I want this episode is going to be focused on where are they now, I guess. Or like <laughs> what has gone on the past year. Oh, my gosh. A lot has happened. I will say that, you know, we never planned to go on this hiatus. There was a lot of life that had happened uh which we'll start off with this the big reason that we took a break is that i moved this this happened i moved right after the last episode it was like i was starting to look for a place after we recorded the last episode and it's it's funny i actually ended up moving just next door literally next door to where i was living before but even though we moved such a short distance, you know, like your life gets put in boxes. And I kept saying like, oh, we'll record later. We'll record later. And once I get situated in the new house and it just kept getting pushed off and pushed off. That was what started the the hiatus. Oh, I didn't even I didn't realize that's what it, it's been so long now. I didn't even <laughs> recall that that was that was the case. I mean, we had slowed down a little bit, I think, at the end there anyway, but. Um, yeah, I guess that's right. That was when you moved, huh? Yeah, Boy. it was. I moved in May of last year and we re- stopped recording end of March. Uh, and then I started packing up through April. So just kind of, I mean, huh. I will be honest, 
there's some other excuses in there, I'm sure, that yes. I don't remember. But yes. <laughs> that was that was like the most legit and like the biggest, I don't know, excuse or issue that we had. Uh, yeah. was my big move okay. next door, literally. Yeah. Um, but so all right, so let's talk about Jared, you've had a big year. Um, I know. So it's kind of funny to say, because I know a lot of people listening probably follow you, follow me, follow the Squared Co account. So we kind of already know, but, uh, I think this is an opportunity to kind of, I don't know, tell your perspective on some of these things that have happened and mine as well. So in no particular order, because I made this list in no particular order, but one of the big things was, and I hate doing this. I'm going to have to get a little emotional here. Uh, they, <laughs> I remember this specifically. So I'm talking about Jared Maruyama's hipster Mickey ears. Uh, okay. I, um, <laughs> I remember this very well. You shared an image with me or you told me about that this was happening before it had like been, um, available for purchase and I'm so I'm like half embarrassed telling this story but I feel like I should when you told me that I think it was in a text or a message of some sort Mm -hmm. I read it and I got teary-eyed for you (laughs) because that's such a big deal you know they don't prior to this happening it had just been like the generic Disneyland merchandise ears that they had they had different characters and different types but this was one of the first you know, for lack of a better term, like a private individual or person designing ears that were going to be available in all of the Disney parks. So that, I don't know, on behalf of Jared, I got emotional and actually a teary eye when I, when you told me about it. And then when I saw the first images as well. Oh, that's very sweet. Um, it's funny. Like I, I think I jump over, like it is a, a very emotional thing. I was very excited to be able to do this. It's an honor to be able to do it. Uh, it's one of those things where once when they approached me initially, I didn't know that it was part of a bigger line. I didn't know that they were going to have um, all these uh, people design ears and stuff like that. They said, you want to design ears? I said, yeah, of course. Uh, and so <laughs> we started the process and then there were these huge gaps of time where we would submit uh, sketches or ideas and, you know, you'd get a little bit of feedback. We'd go back and forth. Um, and, and I kept thinking in my head, it's not going to happen. Something's going to happen and <laughs> it's not going to happen. Or, you know, the design's going to change or they're going to come back and say, actually, we'd like you to do it like this. And then I would just sort of fulfill an order, which would still be exciting, but it would be a little less, uh, you know, like me. Um, so I was thrilled when when we finally came all the way through and there was a, a like I said, a huge gap of time where I didn't even know what was happening. So yeah. I didn't really want to celebrate or be too like happy about it until I saw these things on the shelf or until I held these things in my hand and said, yes, this is a reality. So uh, when it's like in retrospect, yes, it's very emotional for me and I get very excited that these things exist. But the whole time leading up to that, I'm just nervous. And then once you get them and they're out, you're happy and then you're worried about them selling well and what the reception's going to be. So it's been this weird mix of emotions for me, but but I'm glad you got to <laughs> got to cry. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I mean, as if anybody would share a negative reaction to these. I've only seen positive in as far as like posts go, and other people sharing their experience with these ears. And even a lot of times when I go to the parks, I'll loiter around your stuff to see other people reacting 
to your work. Mm. And that's a fun experience, like getting to see people pick up your stuff and even like debate which Jared Maruyama merch should they should buy. It's, <laughs> it's kind of a fun experience. Oh, yeah. No, I do it too. Like I can lurk and... <laughs> And just see if <laughs> see what people buy. Because that to me is like, for me, it's like the sincere thing, right? Like they're going mm-hmm. and they're just buying stuff. And if they pick up my stuff and happen to just like the thing, fantastic. That's great. That's what I want to see. So yeah, it's it's fun to it's fun to like eavesdrop and hear like it's a little risky. They could say something like, This is dumb, or like I hate <laughs> it. Like, oh, I don't understand what this is. And and you do get some of that sometimes, but you know, those are the ones that stick, of course, for better or for worse. But it's still nice to hear uh, when, you, when you're able to sort of witness that happen without them knowing that you're standing right there. And that, so, so you actually did a few other prints for D23 or pieces of merch that were released there, right? Yeah, I did. I did um, a Three Caballeros piece and a uh, Splash Mountain piece, actually, that was just available for uh, the expo, which is... You know, it's a mix of good and bad. I'm, I'm happy to have exclusive material, but it doesn't reach as wide of an audience as you'd like for those pieces. And then those pieces kind of have to go away uh, once the uh, expo's done. You did another convention called Lightbox, which was actually your first... Solo. Solo booth. Yep. Um, yeah. So that one, we actually worked together. Uh, I designed some... They're, they're called POP displays, point of purchase displays yeah. uh, for a lot of your prints and pins. Uh, and I do appreciate you letting me use you as a guinea pig for some of these things. <laughs> uh, it is, I, and I got to say, it is a lot of fun being able to design these things with your work and your characters because they're so cute and, you know, relatively simple with, built with simple shapes. So it translates really well to some of these um, display <laughs> case or display units for your for your prints and stuff um so anyways thank you for letting me use you as the guinea pig and um (laughs) how was it i know this was a long time ago now but going into your first solo booth uh were you a little bit nervous having to fill an entire area with your own stuff like i don't know talk a little bit about that preparation for that so the good thing about Lightbox was that we had no idea what it was going to be going into it. So it the pressure was kind of off, and it was the first year of this thing. So I don't know. Like it was a good it was a good sort of um, test run before going to something like a designer con. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, it was a weird. Mi- I mean, you were there, so you know exactly what we're talking yeah. <laughs> about here. But like it was a weird mix of what it was. Very industry focused, uh, animation wise, more so than illustration. I would say there mm-hmm. was an illustration element to it, but um, I think it's mostly uh, animation and people who wanted to be in animation. So you got a lot of students. Um, you, th- I right. think the best thing about it for me was there was a lot of industry there as well that was walking around. So I did, you know, it's mostly about talking. It was almost like mm-hmm. uh, your. It was more of a. Uh, like having your portfolio in a booth than it was about selling, I think. So it's right. like, it's nice that all your stuff is out and people who walk up and they can see what you do and then give you a card and talk to you about stuff. Um, but I, I think it wasn't the normal con crowd where they're coming to buy a specific print or a pin or uh, something like that. So um, I don't know. I, I I chose not to do it this year again, although we'll see if that even happens. <laughs> Doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um I don't know that I'd go back. I, I don't think I'm the right, quite the right fit for, for something that industry focused. 
Well, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's very much like CTN. I don't know how much experience you have going to that convention, mm. um, but it's very animation heavy or specific and feels more like a networking kind of convention or expo as opposed to uh, like a decon or comic con where it's very shopping heavy. Yeah. Oh, no, it's- for sure. For sure. But this is what I like about decon, though. And I think I, I have never exhibited in one of the bigger ones like Comic Con or even uh, WonderCon or anything like that. But um, mm-hmm. decon is so artist friendly. Like everyone kind of goes, the majority of people go there because they like certain artists or they know exactly what's going to be at Designer Con, right? This mm-hmm. mix of prints and then merchandise based on those prints. It's not like you're going there because there's going to be a cool Spider-Man thing that you want, right? <laughs> it, like that, that is there, but in a right. different, different way than it would be at say Comic-Con where it's like, it's the big companies that are there and they're doing their big launches and things like that. So when you go to these smaller ones, it's like, you're right back in that, um, kind of an uncomfortable zone right <laughs> like mm-hmm. and you got to see this like people would come up and kind of look at you and be like do i want to talk to this person because does he work <laughs> in animation can he get me a job you know do i want to schmooze with this person that was the majority i think of what what people Lightbox. were yeah, yeah Livebox was and so from that perspective for me it was very uncomfortable because it was very obvious because these are young a lot of young kids who don't quite know how to navigate it and they're hungry. And so they're just like, what do you do? What do you work for a studio? <laughs> oh, you don't. And then they walk on, you know? So it's like, <laughs> like there's a lot of that in a nutshell. So yeah, that was a little awkward. I thought for me personally, I have to say you do handle it very well. I think you're much friendlier about that than I am. Ah, oh, thank you very much. The youngins. I mean, my thing for everything is just be polite, right? Like I know that they think they're being a go-getter and they're being aggressive and they're, you know, being assertive and all of that stuff. I I get that. A a lot of people, not just kids, adults do this too. Uh, But I think being polite goes such a long way. Like I Mm. will remember you if if the interaction was pleasant and it will make me want to look at your stuff or see your card or or figure out what it is that you do. But if you come up all aggressive and a dick like that, then I just want you to move along. You know, I'll be polite because I'm always going to be polite because you just, you know, like you could even get people from the industry like who are jerks, right? Like they Mm -hmm. could be in a position to be dicks and they come up and they're like, well, I work for, you know, big studio this. And even then when they're not polite, it doesn't make me want to work with that company, you know, like and obviously you have to anyway sometimes, (laughs) but uh, when you can choose, then you'll choose not to work with those people. So I don't know. I just find that it's always better just to be like, there's no reason to be a jerk. Just be polite and everything. That goes so much further than being like, oh, I'm so aggressive and overly confident about my shitty work. Um, and that that's with where I get uncomfortable with that fake it till you make it approach. Like, no, don't mm-hmm. don't come at me like you're <laughs> somebody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just because, you know, you're, you're thinking if I pose this way, it's going to transition or, you know, like it's going to read that I'm successful. And I, I personally, I don't think it does. Maybe that works in other places. Not for that's me. a that's a good uh, transition point for this. I'll, I'll, a little anecdote. Um from me, so one of the last episodes we did, the February recap of 2019, we talked about me going to the Conan show and giving him the paper art. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like you said, being nice and sincere to the right people or just anybody really, because you don't know who is who and who's watching you. And, right. Um, but 
when I handed Conan that piece, it just so happened to be that the producer of his podcast was in the audience and he pulled me aside after the show and we talked for a little bit. I gave him, I sent him some free posters of the artwork that I gave uh, Conan. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, this was months later, he forwarded my information to Stitcher who produces the Conan O'Brien podcast. And now kind of long story short, because of that interaction with the producer, um, we were friendly with each other. I'm able to do more work with Stitcher now. So this year we just started doing and producing more merchandise for Stitcher podcasts, which has been really great. Um, but yeah, just to go back to your point, be nice to everyone because you don't know what doors you may be opening or closing, you know, unintentionally. Oh yeah, for sure. I think uh, for this industry in general, exactly like the story that you told, that's exactly, that's all that it is. It's always kind of that way, you know, and, and people are thinking, um, I'm not going to work with someone that's going to be difficult. I don't want to, you know, so you don't get past that first step if you come in all aggressive. Uh, again, you don't have to be meek. You don't have to be like, oh, I made this stupid thing for Conan. You know, like, you know, obviously <laughs> you don't want to be that. You can be confident about your work and stuff, but you don't have to be a dick about it or, or look through right. people because you think you're trying to find the important person and I don't want to talk to this assistant or whatever. Um, you just yeah. never know or, where these things are going to Or even feel lead. like they owe you something because you did it. You know, right. exactly. to be completely transparent for me, the reason I made this piece, you know, I want, I need an excuse to do something productive. Like I need uh, either a deadline or a prompt. So for me, I gave myself this prompt to do this. Um, I mean, obviously it would have, it was, the thought was in my head that, you know, this could lead to work, but it wasn't the driving force. Mm -hmm. um, it is fantastic that it led to some work, but, you know, I never, ever felt that like, you know, by giving him this, they owed me any sort of anything really. Right, right. No, exactly. Of course. But I, I mean, think there's a lot of talk about not doing free work. And I think this is a, an area where it gets a little gray and a little confusing for people. Mm -hmm. What you did was free work. You weren't hired and then not paid, but you mm -hmm. took it upon yourself to give yourself this assignment and present it as a gift. Now, we all know you're not pals with Conan O'Brien and you felt like you should give him a gift. Obviously, this was very calculated on your part to sort of mm -hmm. get your work noticed by someone that you liked as a fan. So basically, right. this, is, this is fan art, right? And so that's what got you this next position. And I think that's fantastic. So I think when people say that advice of like, don't do free work, I think what they mean is like, don't have a, you know, had Stitcher come to you and said, we want you to do five posters for us for free. That's where you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, even if that were to happen, if... Easy. If there was don't like un a, don't unravel what I just stated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like there's always uh, I don't know. It's difficult. It's a difficult topic for sure. I well, think you have yeah. to take every situation with like a, a grain of salt. I guess it's a it's a personal thing. It's, it depends on how much you want to do it, how much time you have, and everything. I think 
Um, it, it's too hard to generalize across the board and say never yes. do free work. Yes. Because That's we've it. all done free work. Everyone has. And so the people that say don't do free work are usually the people on the other side of it who no longer have to do free work or aren't hustling. Yes. And so they feel like, oh, I wish I didn't do that work for free. Um, but it's in some cases what gets you to a different level or gets you in front of other people. You have to measure that. And I think that that's a, that's a personal question. Look, we've all seen people with <laughs> like just crappy work, right? We, everyone has, like, I don't, I'm not going to obviously say specific people. That's the nice part of me, but we've all seen people's portfolios <laughs> where we're like, Oh geez, like how, how are you getting work or you're not going to get work <laughs> with this portfolio? So you know, in some mm. cases, it could be sort of a motivator to get them to a next level or things like that. It just depends on your skill level where you are. You have to sort of judge it for yourself. Now, you don't quit your day job because you got a free job from somewhere <laughs> else. A little bit of common sense. But right. I think it's, it is, like we said, it's dangerous to go across the board and say, don't do pro bono, as we say, if we want to make it sound more, <laughs> more official or more <laughs> professional. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. so... <laughs> uh all right we talked a little bit about decon but let's go a little bit deeper there so this um this year lightbox was the first solo booth you had Mm -hmm. decon this past year was the first uh solo booth you had at designer con 2018 the year prior we shared a booth space which was kind of like your own booth but not this was officially your own booth and again Jared let me play around with his artwork and the booth design. And like I do, I went questionably overboard. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. For my big thing, you know, again, you are nice enough to let me do a lot with your work uh, and use you as a guinea pig. So I don't know if I ever would have gotten the opportunity to go as big as I wanted to with your booth display. But Mm -hmm. A lot of people, I'm sure, follow us again and have already seen these images, but I'll post some uh, once this episode airs. What I did for Jared's booth was like this giant arch or like, how would you describe it? Yeah, it's an arch. It just wasn't shaped like an arch. So there's two pillars on either side of the booth and then a giant sign overhead that kind of mirrored a... Like a storefront. Yeah, on yeah, like a like an awning, an, an awning, right, right, uh, and obviously super cute as all of Jared's work is. But it's always fun for me t- the way that I work. I'll have a big idea, and then I have to work backwards and figure out how do I make this crazy idea actually work and executable. Yeah. So yeah, it was fun to be able to do this, and a lot of last minute I don't know. it's always last minute it's always <laughs> last minute it's amazing we know it's but, coming every year uh, from the yeah. minute we stop the previous year we know it's time to get ready for the next year uh, and that is actually about what we should be doing and we never do and it'll yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it talk about it, talk about it until it's like well here's what we can do in this amount of time. I don't know if it'll work. Let's hope it works. And we don't set it up until we're there. Uh, we're, mm. we're waiting for panels to come actually from the printer on the day of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> like it's all these kinds of things where, you know, it feels like we have uh, so much time and then we never do. So, you know, this year we were trying to be better about it and it looks like it probably, I'm guessing it's probably not going to happen this year. I don't know. Uh, it doesn't yeah. sound 
good at this point. But, you know, we did get it up and it wasn't perfect. We wouldn't say it was perfect, but it was impactful. And it was impactful in a way that wasn't in previous years, I think, just because of the size of the thing and that it went over the top. Uh, as opposed to low, you know, these booths are very tight in designer con. So anything you can do to sort of stand out or to be seen from further down the aisle is only going to help you. So it's Mm -hmm. nice because you kind of almost have to do these experiment things. Like, like we've learned so much from doing that, like what, what will work, what will stand, uh, how much support you need for a thing, but also how people approach the booth. Where does it get crowded? What's, what's Mm -hmm. easier. We're trying to display all these prints, which is always a challenge. And it's like, how much do you go to the aesthetic of the thing as opposed to sort of a practical approach where you're just hanging a hundred prints behind you so people can look at it like a rest, you know, like a menu board and say like, I want, I want that one and that one and things like that. So I don't know. That's to me, you know, these aren't huge money makers for me. I, I do make money on these things, but it's not like I'm relying on this thing to make my, my salary for the year. So it's kind of fun Mm -hmm. to play with it and have a good time. And that's definitely what we did. Uh, this year. So I was really excited for what we had planned for this year. We should probably keep going forward on it and maybe just have it ready for the (laughs) following year, but we'll see what happens. No official announcements yet. Yes. Uh, It's a weird uh, time. Like we said earlier, you know, they just announced that Comic-Con is officially San Diego Comic-Con is officially not happening. Right. I mean, even if Decon is a go and they, they continue with the same dates and everything, you have to imagine that it's going to feel Gross. much different and people are going to be a little hesitant to even go. So I would guess that the numbers are going to be down even if the convention is still a go. So it's a, yeah, it's a weird, it's hard to plan for that too. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think, um, I think it would be stripped down this year if they, if they did do it, like I, I wouldn't want to go full force this year because it feels like people would still be, I don't know. I would question going to something that big at this point. I mean, things, a lot can change between now and then, but, um, I don't know at this point, it still seems like, yeah, face masks and tests and all that kind of stuff like it just would seem difficult to pull it off at this point so not only this past year was i able to design a booth two booths or at least help two booths for jared uh i did a lot of work for our friends at sinopolis with their a lot of the live action um i guess not just live action but a lot of the disney releases that came out last summer starting with dumbo uh, and then we did something for Aladdin, Toy Story, and Lion King. Big summer for Disney movies. Mm. And, you know, this is kind of the beginning of doing the work that I want to. I think, like, my one of my dream projects would be to officially design one of these movie theater photo ops for an upcoming movie. Because now, you know, I'm sure everybody has been to a movie within the past year and have seen one of these large standing photo ops as you go in. Like that's the new, that's part of marketing for any big budget movie now is to have some crazy photo op in the movie theaters. Um, So I was able to do that specifically for Sinopolis and uh, some of these Disney titles, which is a really great experience. And again, I'm sure if you follow us, you've seen it, but I'll share some of these photos again. Were you able? I know. Uh, no. 
You weren't able to see any of them. No. <laughs> so this is, I'm, so yeah. So I am living down <laughs> in Southern California and I'm in Irvine, not far from Mark. Dangerously yes. close to Mark. Uh, but uh, before, when these were up, I wasn't here yet. And so I just didn't. And Sinopolis isn't super close to Disneyland per se. But um, right. I, I haven't had a chance to actually go to one of them. But now, if you do more, now that <laughs> now that movie theaters are all closing down forever. Now that you can't go to a theater. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy to go visit one and take a picture. Uh, but so, you saw all of them. I did. Um, uh, well, of I'm course. Put, yeah. I'll put you on the spot right now. Mm. Did you have one that was like more memorable or a favorite of uh, all of the, the photo ops? You know, it's interesting because we talk about this as you're doing these things. And I'll right. see it like along the way or I'll hear what the challenge is because this isn't. Yeah. And I show you other concepts yes, too. Exactly. Kind of so it's hard to see it like if I were to just walk up on this thing and be like, oh, right. let's take a picture. Uh, there's a lot of um there's a lot of specifications for you to work with. Like there's a lot of what's the word? Like there's requirements that like you have to kind of work around some stuff right. and like it has to be functional and you have yep. to also be able to sort of ship this thing out to several mm-hmm. locations so it can't be like you need a team of 30 to come out to every theater and, and put <laughs> yeah. this thing so the, up. like the big restraints or the challenges for these is it's budget. And then it's also being able to design something that I can give clear instruction to somebody on the other side of the country and they can put it together, you know, so it can't be overly complicated. Uh, and it's gotta be relatively sturdy or like at least, be able to stand in a theater with heavy traffic for a weekend or a full week because the hope is that it's going to entice people to go up into it and actually utilize it as a photo op. What is the fun challenge of that for you though? Is it, is it like the, is it creating the concept, you know, and then the rest of it is just fulfilling the order or is it more about like, um, uh, you know, I don't know, like uh, constructing this thing, sort of making this thing. It's almost like the engineering side of it where you're like, oh, we don't have to use tape. We just like put these in slots. And- so it's, it's a lot of that. So I like to kind of think uh, Tetrisy, like how things are going to fit and give this illusion of uh, some sort of a photo op or uh, recreating a recreation of a scene. Tetrisy. Um, <laughs> you know, like yes, the, I uh, some of the photo ops that I did for you, like the I had a, the frame that you could flip the uh, or drop the prints right. in. Anyways, right. I like to to kind of engineer things and think about how do I solve this problem. So mm-hmm. again, my issue or my process is I'll come up with a concept or design. And as I come up with this, the design, I don't really know how it's going to work. And then I kind of I have to backtrack and reverse engineer this thing so that we will have this illusion in a practical way. So mm. I like to figure out how all these pieces are going to come together and have this really specific effect. Right. Um, I think my favorite one of all of these photo ops we did last year was the Aladdin one Mm -hmm. because we actually designed like there was four pillars that existed uh, like an Arabian style pillar system that (laughs) had the magic carpet scene within it. So Mm -hmm. there was like so many different elements that went into this thing uh, and we got some decent response from a lot of the fans going to Sinopolis to see this movie. So that, that was, re- that's another thing that I really enjoy is being able to see people posting their photos 
of this thing that I created. I'm sure you get a lot of a similar I don't know, reaction to your work, especially at all the Disney parks. Uh, it's just it's so cool to see people you don't know, complete strangers have fun with something you created. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, I think it's um, like the movie theater is interesting because they are it's harder now because, like you said, the the standard is so high for these things now because all the studios are right. doing this isn't like a novel thing anymore right like i think the one that i remember the most was like the charlie brown movie the peanuts one where they did like a it looked like a movie theater mm-hmm. uh, and all yep. the peanuts characters are sitting in the theater and there's a empty chair there and you can sit in it and look like you're in the scene that was to me like one of the most perfect things and so simple right the concept is mm-hmm. really is really very simple but i've noticed now like even that one we saw recently for the scooby-doo movie they sent that whole huge figural scooby-doo oh yeah that like, was that's so expensive. that was not even um that was not even something like you necessarily put together it was like a life-size dog yeah fully sculpted yeah. that they send so the box for that and the shipping's got to be outrageous i but, know and then people probably try to steal it or <laughs> you know that's they when um baywatch came out that terrible yeah. reboot baywatch movie people were stealing the zach efron and the rock cutouts, cutouts. yeah I bet. Which is kind of not like you kind of want that, right? I mean, that's that's great. Well, yeah, it actually I think it ended up being a you know, blessing in disguise yeah. for the studios because that turned into like a news story. Yep. And then it filled or fueled this this trend for other people to go and try and steal the cutouts. Yeah. How how do you how do you feel about that aspect of what you do? Like you're basically trying to get attention. Uh, mm-hmm. in in the best kind of way. But that is hard now in this sort of Instagram-y thing. Is that part of it for you now too, figuring out like it can't just be like, um, it's got to be a little more clever than the obvious thing, right? Like what's going to oh. make people want to post this? Not just right. like, oh, well, I recognize that from the film. That's what I would say the downfall of that Scooby-Doo one is. It's very cute and it looks very expensive, but it didn't, it's like, well, it looks like a theme park thing you know right uh i mean it's i'm trying to be as like sensitive in my response as possible there are a lot of people you need to get approvals for of course of course so you know my over-the-top crazy idea might sound well and good and fun to a lot of people but you've got to get approval from your contact, you got, they have to get approval from the studios who probably has conversations with the directors. There's a huge line of uh, signatures that you need to get. So, you know, I try to be as crazy and over the top as possible because like you said, I think that's the best way to stand out, especially since these are happening more and more frequently now. Uh, But it's just, it's difficult to do that and also, you know, make everybody happy. I don't know. The more that these pop up, it might become more easy to get mm. approval on the crazier stuff. Um, because, you know, this all kind of started with the Museum of Ice Cream being like an Instagram museum, if you will. And then now there's all of these different selfie experiences, if you will. Like every... Everything that is coming out that has a big budget creates some sort of an Instagram moment. 
Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, yeah, but that's what I mean. I think that then it just ups the game, right? Because right. everyone's doing these things now. It's like, well, how do you get past that? Or like, uh, and and then it's such a like. What's great about what you do is um, the the movies are in the theater for such a short time. This this doesn't mm. have to be permanent. Um, it doesn't have to last for six months, right? Like this thing's going to be up for maybe what two two months? That seems even long, right? Yeah. Well, specifically the the photo ops that I was creating was only supposed to last opening weekend. Right, right. I think they, for some instances, and if it was a big enough uh, photo op, it would go a week or two. But definitely it was not ever intended to last more than two weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of nice too because I think the shelf life for a lot of this Instagram stuff is pretty limited right Right. so like because the majority of people get the photo and nobody wants to take that phone anymore because everyone's already posted that photo exactly i went to the britney one the britney spears uh, installation thing the zone or whatever it's called (laughs) uh and like that was very elaborate very expensive obviously for them to put this on but it wasn't great and and like i was concerned about that like they they went to great lengths to do these things but it still wasn't i don't know if it just wasn't iconic enough um Mm. but um yeah what was the most memorable room or like photo op in that that whole experience so like okay so they're basically trying to recreate a lot lot of of music music videos right yeah but still so if you do like maybe her biggest like baby one more time right that's just the high school backdrop yeah you know so (laughs) like that doesn't really yeah, it didn't yeah. come with scantily dressed high schoolers, uh, no, background like, dancers. They should have done something like that where it looks like you're inserted into the video. But uh, it's just like yeah. a generic classroom. And then like, you know, they put lockers in one area. But it's kind of like, well, so what? You know, mm-hmm. um, and then I think the 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 best one is probably for um, the airplane where she was like, I think, what's the, I forget what the name of the song is, Toxic. Um, where mm-hmm. she's like a stewardess on an airplane. And so they had like a, the inside of an airplane and you could wear her little hat and things like that. <laughs> but the, the problem with those two was that they let so many people in at one time, you could never get a clean shot. Oh, yeah, you know, so it's like around. you're trying to do this funny pose or whatever, but then there's everyone in the way. So like it wasn't thought through like that. And, and I don't know, like I was, I think it was about 30 bucks maybe or something like that to go to this thing. But it seemed like, kind of a disappointing thing and the merch was awful i wish the merch was great that would have made a huge difference too that's what's disappointing to me is like so the same uh we went to the museum of ice cream and you go through in the end you end up in a gift shop as you do and Mm -hmm. it was like the most generic of things ever it wasn't even like museum of ice cream branded it was just like Here's a lollipop keychain, right, or right. here's like a, a popsicle patch, mm-hmm. and it, it was so bizarre to me that you know that's a huge opportunity for one of these brands or companies to make money, and I'm sure people are still buying stuff and they are making money, but you know invest a little bit more in some compelling designs or fun merch. Uh, and especially with the Museum of Ice Cream, I feel like it's so easy to, you know, spend a few thousand dollars on getting designs from, I don't know, somebody that can do some cute designs, Jared. And exactly. Like the the amount, the profit you can get from sales would just go through the roof. And if it's your own branded stuff, you know, you don't have to pay licensing fees on 
I don't know, like a Candyland thing because it's also candy related or whatever. But yeah, it was, uh, I was disappointed in all of these gift shops. Um, they are just, for the most part, just generic stuff, keychains and stickers and whatever. Do you think this is uh, a trend that's going to stay? Do you think this is on its way out? Do you think it needs to sort of modify or change? I um, think it does have to change. I, I don't think it's ending soonish. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This quarantine thing may change the the trajectory or uh, like the, the longevity right. of this. But I think if Instagram, as long as Instagram is cool, these pop-ups will exist. Once mm. Instagram kind of becomes the Facebook of the next generation, you know, it's a, uh, who knows something will replace it, but I definitely do think it's temporary. I just don't know how long it'll last. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think, uh, so Instagram is just a, is just a delivery service really. Right. So the, right. The, what people like about Instagram is it's not like it's a game or something like that. It's that they like to put their pictures up and it's a popular place to put your pictures, right? So if there's a, there right. could be another uh, app that is more popular suddenly because it has other options or something, then everyone goes over there. Like there have been a few people that have tried to. What was that one that came out not too long ago that was trying to replace oh, Instagram? And that was so they, big for like a month. <laughs> and then that was big for like a week. So the issue with that one, I feel like it could have yeah. done well because the big issue with Instagram now, and I think especially at that time, was they were the algorithm kept changing and right, now it was no right. longer chronological. There's no guarantee that you would see people's posts that you follow. So oh, it's so funny. We can't even think of this other yeah, I, it was, <laughs> company's name. But they came in like, oh, basically, we're going to be everything that was great about Instagram before today. And I think that what failed them was a lot of people jumped ship and went over there, but they couldn't handle it. Yeah. So anytime that I loaded up whatever the name of this app was, it never worked. It I don't think it ever worked once for me. Like yeah. I could turn no, there it on a lot of problems. and like yeah. maybe scroll for a few minutes, but it would crash or it wouldn't load somebody that I was following uh, feed or whatever. But like there was always an issue 100 percent of the time that I went on there. I can't remember what the appealing thing was about. I mean, I know the algorithm thing was all uh, a big deal and everything, but I can't remember. There was something else about it that made you kind of want to, I don't know. But they were like one of the few companies that actually kind of gave Instagram like a challenge at, at first. And then, I don't know, did they get bought or something or, or did it just disappear? I, I think they couldn't handle the vault. Like they didn't know how, the, I don't, I'm not a technical guy, but like the IT side of it, I feel yeah. like they failed. Yeah. Where they had an opportunity to kind of take over and it just, they weren't prepared. Yeah. Yeah. That's too bad. Uh, so that's what I think. Like the, so I look at it like Facebook, right? Like Facebook has, was the thing forever. Right. Then it became like a mom thing, right? Because now right. everyone's on Facebook. Your grandma knows how to use Facebook. And so now the kids are like, well, I'm not using Facebook anymore. Exactly. Uh, so I guess I could see that. I don't know, but Instagram seems to be surviving well, it is basically doing, Facebook now, right? It's the photo app exactly. for Facebook. So they they evolve, which is a good thing about Instagram. They keep evolving, you know, as what was the one? Vine was mm. a thing that was giving Instagram a run for the money. So then Instagram introduced videos. Right. Um, YouTube, I feel like, is always going to rival and kind of exist in their own space because... Long form. That was, yeah. yeah. And they've been there way 
before Instagram was a thing. Uh, but, oh, you know what? Speaking of like online videos and stuff, Quibi just came out. Yeah. Which I don't understand. I know nothing <laughs> <To> me, about it. <laughs> it's, 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 I'm like, well, what the hell's the difference between this and YouTube? Like I get they're spending a lot of money to do high, uh, high quality production or high production um, shows and content. Hmm. But I don't know. For me, I don't want to watch like a produced TV show on my phone. I want to watch uh, a show on the TV. So I don't know. I might be getting too old and like I'm not yes. no longer the target demo where it's yes. like uh, 30 and below maybe are more into doing everything on their phone. Uh, but the appeal is not there for me. We're still the um, big screen TV generation. These kids yeah. now, they don't <laughs> care. Opposite, right? I'm it's like, so bizarre to me. I'm like, how <laughs> can you watch it on your phone? It's this, yeah, it's like <laughs> five, seven inches big. Like I've, uh, I know. It, so that's a generational shift there. They don't care. They want it for free. They don't want to pay for anything. Mm-hmm. They're very tech savvy about finding oh you just go to this one and you can watch it uh but every two weeks you have to redo it so then you just <laughs> so you drop that one and then you go find this other app uh, that does it and that's so funny my coworker who you've met who helped uh edit videos and stuff he's yeah. like that we're so into figuring out like how the newest technology and like he was an an early uh fan of twitch and yeah, like that yeah. whole thing which i think twitch is already not cool which right. I never got into, um, but God, I, I know I'm not that old, but like hearing s- that a thing has come and gone without me ever jumping on board yeah, instantly makes me feel like I'm an old man already. Get used to it. Yeah. Uh, just like TikTok uh, too, right? Like I don't, I nothing. don't understand that at all. But it, like, I, uh, yeah, exactly. And obviously kinda, kinda we understand care. what it is. Yeah, I just don't yeah. get the appeal. So yeah. like. And especially so that what's the difference between that and Instagram stories? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I mean, it's I'm a sure short form yeah. video. I know that TikTok they do a lot with music. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know. But, but it seems like they give you a lot of uh tools to to easily do this thing. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we're, a- we're just sounding like grumpy old men now. <laughs> uh, that's well, my excuse. I am a grumpy old man. You're still young. You're on the cusp. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I mean, like they get they make it easy for you to to do the thing that everybody's doing, right? So sure. one person knows, <laughs> like one person can be really good at making videos, right? They 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 just know how to use the software, but that's hard for a lot of people, right? Yeah. So if yeah. so if something like TikTok comes along and they're like, look, here here's all you have to do. We're gonna feed you the music clip, you know, yeah. and like now well, everyone's and, gonna do it. And it's all in your phone, which yeah. we just said kids love. Yeah. So it's like you don't you can generate the video, you can edit it and you have this relatively polished content to share. Yeah. Well, I, I think um, and then I think if celebrities adopt it, too, that always helps quickly. Oh, right? yeah. So Justin sure. Bieber does it and then everyone's going to cool. do yeah. his video thing. But I still only see TikTok because people post the TikTok stuff on Instagram. Exactly. So Same. <laughs> that's the only time Same. I see it. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, so yeah, get used to that. You're just going to get older. Uh, <laughs> so you tend to get older and lazier and busier and richer. So you just start like throwing money at stuff. You're like, fine. No, I'll just pay for the thing. 
you know, I'll, I'll buy the app. I don't care. Just make it easy. Right. Uh, like that sounds shitty, but I think you get to that point. <laughs> can't wait for that point. Just yeah. make it rain on my problems. But I mean, um, don't you, you're probably already at that point, aren't you? Like where you'd be like, Oh no, I'll pay for the app or like, I'm not going to oh get God. a bootleg there's so copy many, of Photoshop. <laughs> yes. There's so many instances of that, that yeah. I don't want to make people think differently of me. So I won't get into them. Right. <laughs> now. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But okay, obviously we just talked a lot about pop-ups, but there was one that I wanted to make sure we talked about this uh, episode, and that was the Mickey's mm. 90th birthday pop-up at Disneyland. Uh, which oh my god, didn't we talk about this? No, that was last summer, and we haven't recorded. I'm sure you did. Okay, so everybody knows Jared's on another podcast, hey, Disneyland, hey, hey. and. Designers, Disneyland for Des- designers. Good. Go ahead. Pretend like you don't know the title. Go <laughs> with that Mac Bracky guy. What's his name? I don't know. <laughs> um, so you might have talked about it there. Maybe. Are you sure? sure. I, I could have sworn we, we, talked we couldn't about have it. talked about it on this because we haven't recorded since. It was happened. it summer? That was summer. Okay. It happened. I feel all right, like all right. June. I want to say. Mm, okay. Okay. Or anyway, July. what Anyways, do you want? So yeah, yeah, yeah. What What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk um, about? <laughs> So the pop-up, all right, there's two things I want to talk about. Okay. Pop-up and then the gift shop, obviously. Yeah. So that to me is, uh, in terms of like the experience and the pop-up with all the photo ops, obviously it came from Disney. They do everything very, they execute very well. So of all of the pop-ups I've been to, that one by far the best one Mm. Um, in terms of, you know, the staff being friendly and pleasant yeah, to yeah. the whole experience being pretty clean because honestly, the Museum of Ice Cream one was kind of uh, grungy by the time that I went to it. Gross. And um, what was another one? There's one at the Spectrum Cheat Junk. Food Land. Cheat Day. Cheat Day. Cheat Day Land. Yeah. Uh, which that one was awful. Um, I- <laughs> but the Mickey Mouse one was great. And obviously it's a it's a character that everybody loves. So that made it more fun. And again, I went with Jared and as I'm going through this, it's, I'm like kind of dissecting these different little vignettes and photo ops. Hmm. And I have to say a lot of it, you know, not to be overly arrogant or anything. I feel like I could have done a lot of these photo ops there, which was reassuring to me, um, knowing that I have at my disposal, or within my creative arsenal, like the ability to do some of these top tier or top notch photo ops. Yeah, it's it's difficult with something like Disney because they've got such a built in audience, you know, like mm-hmm. like, uh, like I don't know if a lot of this stuff would fly with another IP per se, uh, even a lesser IP. Right. So if you have a wall of Mickey plush, that's awesome. And it looks really cool in the photo. But mm-hmm. if you did that with, say, Shrek. <laughs> I don't know that it has the same, you know what I mean? Like it's a different appeal and it could yeah. still look cool, but you might not want to go out of your way to do it or, or pay $30 for the, mm-hmm. for the option to do it. Um, I think Hello Kitty could do it. Um, it, it kind of depends Definitely. on the right audience and the right IP. That, that's what I noticed. But I, I would agree with you in that what they did 
technologically wasn't um, earth shattering. A lot of it was very illustrator based. It looked like, you know, a lot of like yeah. cutouts and sort of mm-hmm. that way dimensional, not actually a dimensional thing, but just these flats that are staggered right. to give the, the appearance of dimension, which is really all you need for a photo. And I think some of it was more successful than others. Um, I think the steamboat Willie thing worked really well, Yeah, but, uh, I don't know. To me, there there needs to be a bigger like. Uh, there's got to be some big thing that really gets you. You know, like a lot of little things around a big thing. And I don't know. It, it all felt pretty consistent to me all the way through. So the big thing with um, oh another pop up that I forgot that I've been to is the Candytopia, right? Right. Which we have a relationship with, and I've actually helped kind of produce some of the stuff for Candytopia, but. At the Museum of Ice Cream and Candytopia, their big thing is you exit into this pool. Uh, Museum of Ice Cream is they have a sprinkles pool and then Candytopia has a marshmallow pit, right. which those are like the golden uh, photo ops. And I feel like you're right for the Mickey Mouse one. There was a lot of really fun little moments, but they didn't have that big yeah. um, like this is the reason you come to this experience mm-hmm. they there was a lot of little vignettes and it was a fun experience to go walk the whole thing but they didn't have that big splash like some of these others had yeah it was interesting like the what you ended with was it like a platinum or a golden mickey statue it was the black mickey actually. Or it was all black yeah um, right against all the color which yeah. it was really cool to see that but that's not like oh my god i went and have this amazing photo op it's like you're taking a picture next to a statue mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which again the execution overall was great but yeah i agree i think that one was lacking some big aha moment so i i went back like a month later to that thing because mm-hmm. i had gone with some other people from work and um they actually roped off that statue. You couldn't, you could, because they, they kept saying, don't touch it. Like you can go stand oh. by it, but don't touch it. Cause it was like flocked <laughs> or something like that or something with the black material. Cause basically when you took a photo, it looked like a, like a black hole shaped like Mickey, right? Like it was just an mm. absence in all this color. Uh, so then they roped it off. <laughs> and so that didn't make sense anywhere. Cause you couldn't get close to it. You could just take a picture of the thing. You couldn't really be in the picture. Um, so yeah, things like that were kind of funny to see how it evolved over the, over the time. And then someone broke the like steering wheel thing on the, the, um, steamboat Willie thing. And yeah, so there's a lot of that stuff to certainly take into consideration, like the hands-on stuff. Um, yeah, it's easy I mean, to break. If, it's, if it's supposed to be interactive, I yeah. feel like you either have to know that it's going to get broken and have like an easy replacement yeah. and a backup yeah. or you make it super durable yeah so there's pros and cons to either you know either decision you go with but you definitely should have some sort of contingency plan or know that it's especially a high traffic thing like disneyland that there's going to be issues wear and tear want, yeah. yeah if you want it to be interactive i will say though that what disney did really well with that is how they funneled groups through the thing it was yeah. very controlled relatively small groups um, and they made sure you kind of got your picture that you wanted and kind of controlled like where people were or, or you know, and they yeah. were set up in a way that if you were in one, you didn't see the other one. So you right. don't have everybody in the shot. They were very good about that. And um, someone was with you the whole time and kind of yeah. ushering the group. And they through. kind of had like official, unofficial line cues for each mm-hmm. one. So 
you were pretty much out of the way if you wanted to get this photo up from this room. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, even like the standing in that sort of line queue area, you could take a picture or a selfie yeah. on a wall. So they have, they did a really good job of always having some sort of a moment for you to take a picture of throughout this entire thing. Yeah. And then they would stand there and either they, sometimes they would take your picture if you were, if you had a group or they would tell you, here's what you're supposed to do for this thing, right? right? Like get it at this angle or, you know, make sure it cuts off here. So I thought that was, I thought that was a very Disney way to approach one of these things. Mm -hmm. They, okay. So then at the end of this whole thing, again, exit through the gift shop and Jared, you had by far like the most, I don't know, popular item of this Mickey's 90th birthday pop-up <laughs> gift shop. Uh, it was, you know what was really cool about this, uh, the piece that you did, it was one piece, but they were able to kind of pick it apart and apply it to so much different merchandise. Yeah. So, I mean... Obviously, you've done a lot of work uh, for Wonderground and Disney that gets applied to different types of merch. Mm -hmm. When you go into something like this now, do you think about it in terms of how this can be applied to different types of merchandise? Or do you just figure out like, I want to make the best print and then they can figure out how to disperse it onto different types of merchandise. Do you um, have like a strategy as you're approaching something like this or do they specifically ask you? I, I always start off basically, like you said, like I always start off with what's a good concept. Um, sometimes I'll think about it in the execution uh, about how. So like, you know, most of the time when you do a lot of this merchandise, they don't want gradients. And I and I work with a lot of gradients usually. I, and I do both. But um, so uh, that sometimes will affect if I use gradients or if I go lighter on the gradients or, or if I can look at it and say like, okay, this will translate well. Like I can take the gradients off of this easily and won't use, lose the quality or the, of the image. It comes in those terms, but I will never think of it like backwards. Like this will look good on a t-shirt. So I'll make this a print. It, it always has to be the, the other way around. My work, because it's all in Adobe Illustrator, just kind of lends itself to being good for merchandise and product. I'm not a painterly person, uh, and I think that's where you have the hardest thing. It's like with a, you know, the difference between most merchandise and say like something like Thomas Kincaid, right? Like a great prints, and it looks nice on a fancy frame. It looks like an expensive piece of art, and then it translates well to um, puzzles. You know, like it looks weird when it's on a T-shirt. It's even kind of awkward when it's on a mug. Like it's very limited what you can do merchandise-wise. So I think my my artwork, my style is innately well-suited for merchandise. So, And we do a lot of the same stuff uh, over you and over and again. You and Thomas Kincaid? Yes, yes, yeah. Stuff. No, but I mean, like we'll do magnets or we'll do um, postcards or, you know, things like that. Right, like, so, so I kind mean, of the same type of merchandise every time. It was really cool to come out of that experience and see you had your own, like, shrine. Yeah. There, <laughs> and it was, you had obviously the prints. There was a mug of it. There was, I think they had magnets as well. Yeah. There were uh, serving trays, yep. t-shirts. Uh, what else? What I mean, I'm sure thing? there was yeah. other stuff. The other cool thing, they actually, so if you haven't seen this print or this artwork that we're referring to, Jared made a Mickey and then surrounded it by kind of icons from Mickey's past. So there was... Um, his Steamboat Willie hat, there were... Like the phone. 
like Mickey phone. Yeah, different and- types of Mickey merchandise and just things that represented Mickey throughout the years. But the centerpiece was Mickey, and they actually turned that Mickey into a vinyl toy. Yes. And yes, they did. Oh, my God. This is another emotional moment for me <laughs> on your behalf. This this one was so cool. It It's amazing to me that, you know, you work, again, in Illustrator, and a lot of your work is relatively flat looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even with the gradients. But this it is such a, like, clear representation of your artwork in dimensional form. Like, this vinyl figure... I look at it and it feel like, oh, that's Jared art. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. The box, the box too looks great. Uh, I have to say, like, how many more of these freaking things are you going to do? Because <laughs> I'm sick of buying all this stuff. You, they just released like this neon color variant of it. Yeah. Um, which surprisingly looks cool yeah yeah i wouldn't wouldn't think that like these kind of neon-y weird uh, coloring colors yeah would, would work but he looks it, better it in does. person too than he does uh, actually in the in, the, in the photos yeah so i was pretty happy with that yeah the, to me the what was i was most excited about for this iconic mickey vinyl is that it, it feels the most me like um you know i love hipster mickey and that doll was very successful and everything but that it, it doesn't i don't think you look at hipster mickey and automatically think of like my style or what I do. I think this Mickey represents more of what I do and what I love and and the the style that I work in mostly. Uh, even with the Kingdom of Cute stuff which I adore, which I love. It's probably one of my favorite things. That's still based very strongly on like, you know, it's the castle. It's a it's it's other things that are more commonly represented. So to see something like Mickey represented as the way I draw him, it was just very like that kind of gave me the tears kind of thing when I saw that actually out and about. So I'm very happy that that thing exists in an empty store at a closed downtown Disney. But you can get them <laughs> you can get them on Shop Disney. Both Yay. are available on Shop Disney. <laughs> That's right. Help a brother out. Go go to Shop uh, Disney and get what you can. That this this isn't like a huge deal in the grand scheme of things. It is kind of to me because this is the first this is a transition by the way. We're okay. We got talking it. about Mickey. Okay. okay. Um I was able to get my work published in an actual art book. Yeah. I I think I you saw it in person mm-hmm. um, one of the times you came over. But so this is it's called Geek Art. It's uh it's actually like an online blog that's one of the first uh I don't know, introductions to this geek art world, if you will. It's gotta be over 10 years old at this point. Um, but anyways. Every so many years, the curator of this blog will compile a book of different geek art artists or pop culture artists. And this for this edition of the book, he reached out to me and asked to be a part of this uh, this book. And, you know, when he reached out to me, I wasn't sure like if this was for real yeah. or, you know, I submitted these files of a lot of my work and you don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden I get this package that I'm not expecting with handwritten uh, address on it and everything. So I'm like, Oh, this is so bizarre. I wasn't expecting this. You're like, I'm hesitantly opening it. And then I see the book and I flip through the pages and see my name. And it's, you know, I, it's so stupid that I keep talking about getting emotional here, but (laughs) I, um, 
like that was a big moment for me because I'm very passive with my personal work and to be a part of something like this that has the potential to be in hundreds, even thousands of people's homes uh, is, is amazing to me. And I, I don't know, it, it was a really bizarre moment and uh, something I'm proud to be a part of. Uh, so how did this come about though? Like how, how did this, what, what was the process for this? I think uh, the, the curator, he reached out to me with a DM maybe mm. on Instagram. Um, and then we exchanged emails and continued the conversation via email. And essentially he just asked for uh, a bunch of print quality images of some of my work. A big problem with working in paper is you have to be at least a halfway decent photographer, yes. which I am not. No. And <laughs> it's uh, it, it was difficult for me to find enough decent images of my work that I could that could uh, translate to print. Um, but I messed around in Photoshop a little bit to clean it up and sent him maybe a dozen or so photos. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I had no idea if I was going to make the final cut, uh, if this book was actually going to happen or not. I'd say it was a, maybe a full year before I had heard anything uh, or saw the physical book afterwards. Um, so it's one of those things where like, I can't, you submit it and forget about it. And then pleasantly surprised once you do see not only that the book got made, but I made the final cut um, before. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that get curated out or the images didn't work for one reason or another. Um, but yeah, this was a really fun experience for me to be a part of. There's a, there's actually, there's other squared co artists in the book. Oh yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I will, for fear of not naming all of them. Well, name I will somebody. Name, I will name number. No. No, you got to say, so who's There's in there? There's no way. You can name one so person. Then you left it all, everybody If I name them. one, though, the, all of the other ones are going to get upset. I think I you overestimate the reach of our little <laughs> podcast here. But okay. okay. <laughs> Mr. Hope is in there. There you go. I, okay. I think he's right before me in the because it goes by i think they go by first name mm, mm, mm. uh and so, is this available like, i don't know is it for sale so it's on like, it's on amazon oh, it is. um right now it is only available in french but they are going to do publish an english version mm. you know to be honest this whole quarantine thing i'm can only imagine has an impact on that so who knows how soon that will get out um, yeah but if and when an English version does get published, I will definitely be sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why, why is it in French? Is it a French website or what's the, or is it yeah. just, oh, okay. He's, uh, the curator is French. Ah, we. Oui. So <laughs> this is, I, I, I don't know. I was debating on even bringing this up. I think it's kind of funny uh -oh. and uh, I don't know. I was going to save it for the last one, but I'll bring it up now. Okay. This last summer, Another really proud moment for me. I was named one of LA's safest drivers. Oh, I are you sure Did we I didn't tell talk about that? I remember this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So no, we did it because this was in July that this happened. Mm, okay. So um 
there was a lot of news coverage on this story. I think I heard about it on K-Rock, actually. They were talking about this contest going out in L.A. or Southern California area that they're looking for L.A. safest driver. And there was like up to there were seventy thousand dollars worth of prizes. So <clears throat> uh, I think the biggest winner, you, you got like ten thousand, but there's so many subcategories um, and my subcategory that I was considered or that I won was LA's safest military driver because oh, I had, was in the military. I qualified for this category, but the way that I won it, you, you have to download this app and turn it on and have it on while you're driving. So it monitors your driving uh, behaviors. And it's so funny. You, you know this about me. I am very like all or nothing. So if I commit to something, I go overboard and crazy with it. So when I decided I wanted to do this contest, I was like super serious about it. every single time I drove. I was in like the slow lane. I never went over speed limits. I started stopping for stoplights like way in advance. Um, some of the things that the app monitored was obviously speed limit how quickly you accelerated and decelerated oh, um, your speed on turns uh, if you're driving distracted. So because it's on your phone, it would know if you like went away from the screen and were using your phone while driving. Uh, so during the summer, I was like the most <laughs> perfect driver. Oh, and geez. I'm proud to say that it paid off and I was named one of LA's safest drivers. And so what was the prize for this? Oh, uh, I got my picture on their website. Okay. And $500. Well, there you go. $500. That's good. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I wanted that 10,000, but I'll take the 5. So, who gets who who wins the 10,000? <laughs> like what's the ultimate safe driver then? Uh, I mean, I'm sure I could look it up, but I You didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> I probably I know that I did at some point because my photo is, you know, in a, li in a right, list of right, 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 right. all the winners. Um, but I don't remember who won. But I mean, is it's, it random? It's got to be kind of randomized, right? Like maybe so, the so way many it, people reach a certain level and then they pick or? The way that it this scoring system worked within the app, it's. Uh, so all of the criteria that I said or judging. Yeah. Uh, so like, let's see if I broke speed limit my score would go down. And like the more hits you have, the lower your score goes. If you are perfect, you have a 100% score. And then off of that, it goes on the distance that you drive. So if ah. I have no dings and right. I drove 30,000 miles, right. then you're the number one, like you're the safest driver. Nobody drives 30,000 miles in LA. I know, but <laughs> uh, whatever the total is. Yeah. So this is the greater uh, LA area. That's that's pretty good for that many people. I think yes. everyone stinks though. I think that's probably why. Well, I, one of the, another caveat is that like you had to know about the yes, contest yes. and download the app to participate. What, so. what, did someone sponsor this? What what app did you give your information to? This is obviously a cloak for some kind of information <laughs> grabbing. Well, I was it was a uh, USAA, which is a military uh, uh, bank. And I'm already a member of it, so they already had my information anyway. So it didn't huh. matter. Interesting. How boring. You are a cautious driver anyway, though. 
You are. You're, yeah, you're, a, so, you're a slow driver because I'm more of an aggressive driver than you are. And, oh, my uh, God. Yeah. I didn't say anything while. <laughs> but so Jared and I went to see uh, the last. Oh, my God. Not the last Jedi. Whatever the last Star Rise Wars. Of, Sky, Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And like I don't. I wasn't familiar with the theater we're going to as one of my friends got the tickets. Yes. Um, And for some reason, the GPS was taking us like through neighborhoods and oh my God, Jared's driving was scaring me so much. (laughs) It's like, he didn't know where he was going, but he's like, oh my God, why are we in this neighborhood? And you'd floor it when we would go and then slam on the bricks. Why do we have to go left here? We just went left. Like... It, I don't know. But you have to admit, it was a crazy... Like, so we went at the height of traffic, like yes. the height of Southern California traffic, which is just the worst. So the GPS takes us on this crazy-ass route, like like you said, through neighborhoods, like just to save us a minute, probably. Uh, and so like I couldn't even tell like where we were. I had no concept of where we actually were. <laughs> and so like, and I didn't know the theater anyway. And then I'm like, uh, oh, hey, look, we're right by Knott's Berry Farm. And like, yeah, it was just... It was crazy. So that I think that's what makes me like an aggressive driver. I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> sure. On top of it being LA driving. Sure, Jared. No, I mean I usually am an aggressive <laughs> driver anyway. But your buddy's an aggressive driver. One of Mark's friends. We won't say specifically who. <laughs> we won't name names. He's uh, an aggressive driver like that. I've never been so like stressed for such a short drive. But. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations uh, for being uh, one of LA's safest, uh, most yes. boring. People were probably yes. behind you honking, like, sorry. Oh, I'm sure. At, <laughs> like, when we would, when I would drive with people in the car during this period, they would say stuff like, why are you driving like this? I'm like, nope. nope. LA's safest driver. I'm That's not, right. Not risking it. Uh, it's hard <laughs> to do that in LA, too. Yeah. It doesn't take <clears> much <throat> to get people to honk at you. No, no, it doesn't. Okay, so one other thing not art or design related that happened to me, which questionable if I should even bring it up, but okay. I will. Okay. I had knee surgery uh, at the end of uh, last year. That's right. And um, the very end of last year. It was right before Christmas. And yeah, so it was actually. The Christmas was on a Wednesday. I got, I went into surgery on Monday. Yeah, that's right. Two days before Christmas. And I strategically did it that way so that during the holiday season, I had an excuse to just stay at home and have like all relatives come to me instead of me having to go to everyone else's house. Right. But it somewhat backfired because I still had to go two days after my surgery I went to um, my brother's house to oh. see my, my niece and nephew Yikes! for Christmas. Um, but it was nice because, let's see, for like a month, I, I had a, a cane. I don't know if you ever saw me with the cane. The I walker. don't think. No, I just saw you at the gym. It, it was like, a, what's his name? Carl Fredericks, Fred, Fredrickson's. I yeah. had one of those walkers. And it was a nice excuse to get out of things for that month period. Did you go to work? Or did you stay home for a lot of? Uh, well, luckily, I the timing of this whole thing, um, I was off for the holidays anyway. Hmm. So by the time I went back, it was like a week and a half later, or two weeks, and I could walk relatively well with the cane or the walker. I did bring the walker into work for a week or two. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, once I get to work, I'm in a chair for most of the day. So it's not, uh, not a big deal. It's disgusting what they did to you. So they had to go in there cause you didn't know what was wrong. Uh, you, <laughs> the, the pain would come and go, you said, and they, what they pulled out like a pearl. Basically. This is, this is the, the scary thing with the type of surgery that I had. So I could feel a something out of place in my knee. Disgusting. Like you could move it around. It was like a little tiny droplet uh, that <laughs> not it was a, like a tiny ball that I could move around. Um, but for some reason, I had a couple MRIs done and they couldn't see it on any of the imaging, the imaging. Yeah. But my surgeon was confident that like, you know, if it's large enough for you to feel if we go in there, I will find it. So he was really confident telling me that, reassured me. So I was like, yes, that makes sense. So I had, t- they uh, cut my knee open on either side. Gross. Went in on one side with a camera, went in on the other side with tools of some sort. Gross. And they went in there and yes, they pulled out what uh, was calcified something so at some point either a bone chipped off or a piece of my cartilage or meniscus and over time it just calcified and continued to grow gross and it was about this let's see it was a almost perfect sphere looked gross. like a pearl that was like a centimeter in, in diameter gross and i can't believe you didn't keep it I didn't have a choice. Yeah, I would have I th- loved to. Yeah, but how like, come they did? It seems like that's technically so yours. I, I, um, the whole thing was crazy. Like, let's see, I went in five in the morning. Yeah. To check in and everything. I think they called me in to like prepare for surgery and give me my own little bed and area at maybe six. And I was back out of the surgery and at home by like nine a.m. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So did it was the, a pretty quick thing. And you went um, under completely for this. I did. Yeah. Which was the only hesitation I had. Because, you know, you hear the horror stories that, yep. you know, either you don't wake up at all or you are awake and can feel everything. But you can't uh, say anything or like right. you're paralyzed. You're like, you're like yeah. paralyzed. Because basically um, what they give you is like a cocktail of drugs. So like some of these drugs are supposed to knock you out. Some of them are supposed to make it so you don't feel anything. So you could have, you know, a bad batch or something like it wasn't mixed the right way or your body (laughs) ignores some of it. So like the knocking out part and paralyzing part works, but it doesn't turn off your senses. Right, right. Anyways, everything worked great. I am on the mend. I can run and jump. Uh, The whole purpose of this not to bore you further, but I love basketball and I really want to be able to dunk again before I am aged out of that as a possibility. Mm. So uh, it, it's weird in this quarantine time, I am doing a lot of like jump drills in my living room right now. Yeah. Uh, but for all of those who are worried about my knee, it is, mm. I mean, more or less, it's it's good. It's definitely weaker and it's still healing, but it's, you know, I can do normal stuff. Are you 100% now, though? I mean, I know it's weaker, but are you 100% like you don't have to baby it or? or I don't have to baby it. It's definitely not as strong as it was. I feel like, you know, with 
probably by the end of the year, it'll actually be stronger than it was before. Yeah. Just because they went in there and nerves are all shot and tender. Yeah. uh, It just takes a long time for all of that to calm down. Yeah. And you've been doing a lot of workout at home, right? You've been in overdrive at home, actually. Oh, yes. And we will we'll save that for a quarantine episode because <laughs> we can go on for that. Um, but let's see. Okay. Another first for Jared this past oh, year. Here we go. You had your first 100% solo gallery show. Ah, yes. So That's right. you've done a lot of gallery work over the years, uh, doing Squared Co. gallery shows, doing different pop culture gallery shows, obviously Wonderground stuff. But this was your first solo show at Gallery 1988. That's right. Yep. Yep. Um, pretty exciting. A lot of pressure. The, the, cutesy. The, the, cutesy. Yeah. The <laughs> best thing about this was there was another. So the gallery split into two. There's two two big rooms, two long rooms. Mm. And then uh, there was another show that opened at the same time as mine. So that actually was really nice because I think it makes the crowds bigger for both shows. Um, so we had a good turnout. It was fun and sold a lot of stuff. And yeah, it was fun, but but terrifying. Uh, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> what? Okay, so what was scary about it to you? Well, you want to sell. You want people, you know, the main thing is you want to sell. Ultimately, mm-hmm. that that's what you want to do. But for the gallery show, it's like you want people to show up. You don't want a right. big empty gallery with your work in there. So uh, whether that's even just appearance, you know, you could have a ton of people show up and that's better than um, than selling out but have nobody come. Ultimately, you want to sell. But like if you're standing there with your art and no one's in that gallery, that's awful. <laughs> that's a terrible feeling, right? Like nobody wants that. So uh, it was nice and busy and I couldn't complain about the turnout. So that was great. Did you, was there a line formed before it opened or was it just, Uh, it it filled up pretty quick? So there was my show, which was my solo show. And then next door, there was like a little group show. It wasn't one of their huge group shows. There was like four Mm -hmm. artists or something like that. But a lot of the artists in that group did uh, like one of a kind pieces, uh, like sculpture stuff. So that kind of stuff automatically gets like a line of people that are waiting to get in because they want to get that one thing. So I don't think it got too crazy beforehand for that, but it wasn't, I don't think I had people waiting in line like early for me, other than just before the gallery started. It's very strange because you're not there in the gallery setting up. Uh, I I wasn't, I usually, Mm -hmm. they don't tell you like come an hour before or anything like that. Like it's just like show up when it opens. So it's strange to like, I hover around because LA traffic, I'm kind of hovering around that general area before mm-hmm. I go in. So it's, it's awkward to sort of walk up and walk in the front door at your own show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, I can imagine. Yeah. So I, I did go in a little bit early, had to set up some stuff, but otherwise, um, yeah, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of pressure. I don't particularly like it. I'd almost rather not be there. Um, but obviously you have to be there for your own show, you know, <laughs> you should do what, uh, Mark Hamill does at Comic-Con, just wear a mask oh, There you go. of yourself. So you could wear, we could turn your logo into a mask of some sort. Yeah. That'll and help. Just, just pretend that you're a huge fan of Jared's. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not that it's not, like, you just don't want to. Yeah, no, I know. I it's, just don't want to be there awkward, to watch it go like, down. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because it's almost like an ego thing where like, you know, you know, everybody is there for you, but it's weird to kind of acknowledge that and like, I don't know, be surrounded by 
all of these people that may or may not know you, but you know that they're there because of you. Well, you just want people there. I mean, to me, it's like throwing a party. And what if nobody came to your party? (laughs) You know, that's awful. Uh, So I don't know. It it stresses me out. Like I always say with this, this side of the business is not what I love. Like I like doing the artwork. I like drawing. I like seeing where that goes. I don't like selling. I don't like talking. I don't like (laughs) all of that stuff. Um, So that part of it's really tough for me. Um, But I don't know. Like, but I mean, I'm happy I did it and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens next with. (laughs) Speaking of parties and nobody coming to them. Jared and I both had birthdays during this quarantine. Yes. Did anybody go to your birthday party? No, you came Uh, over. That was it. (laughs) party of one that's right as it should Uh, be so like i know both of us aren't really big on birthdays i kind of do a thing for my birthday every year but it's it's so detached from the actual day of my birthday Mm -hmm. that it's kind of its own thing uh i mean you know what i'm talking about i do a smash super smash brothers tournament every year that is loosely connected to my birthday it's usually like a month or two later but I don't know, the first year to get people to come, I said it was for my birthday and it's just kind of like a, a unofficial birthday party for me now. But because of this quarantine, I was unable to do that. So uh, this would have been the first year I would have probably come too. Oh, how like, convenient. I would have, I wouldn't convenient. play, but um, <laughs> I'd be like a parent who brought their kid over for the, for the video game party and just standing yep. Drinking alcohol in the background. Is there alcohol at this thing? I don't know. I know you don't drink. If if you want. I guess I'll bring my own. Did I not leave alcohol at your place? (laughs) You actually have alcohol here. I think so. You already do. Um, There's People have drank before. I think, you know, I I don't drink, so I always say bring your own alcohol. Yeah. Uh, It's funny because I say this and everybody knows I don't drink, but it's always like, Oh, I brought you a 20 pack. And I'm like, yeah, thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I don't get it. And then so they kind of bring it uh, under the disguise of like, oh, this is what I'll be drinking. But then they, you know, air quotes here, leave it behind for me. Of course. (laughs) Of course. It's it's so bizarre. Like I can't wrap my head around it. Like people's resistance to believe that I don't drink uh, well i think you know they got a one they do want to drink i think that's why i right and it. i have no problem with anybody drinking it's just it's a purely like personal thing it's yes a personal yes. decision yes has no, 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 no reflection I, on anybody else's decision i think i've seen you drink twice maybe and that's, i've had a that's drink probably pretty rare that i once saw that, with yeah. you at the midnight concert <laughs> yes. um which didn't end well for 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 anybody, but. <laughs> it was it was fine. Yeah, uh, and we uh, did shots too, like kids, which was funny. You're did like, well, we? Yeah, you're all well. Uh, let's get shots. I'm like shots. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, it shows. I don't I don't even know how to drink. <laughs> uh, and then we drank. I think at your house once. I just brought stuff and I made you drink and you hated it. Um, mm. And I because I brought that stupid uh, the, seltzer. Yeah, it was the yeah water. The, the spiked water but yeah i think you, people bring it to leave it because most people do drink and most people uh i think entertain so i think they think if you don't drink it someone someone's gonna drink it oh fantastic yeah um <laughs> all right the last oh actually 
What? So I've got a list here. Everybody oh, listen. Yeah, I didn't make a list this time. And um, I just found a secret section of the list. So there's Those more to talk about. Elaborate list. Man, how long is this episode going to oh be? Oh my gosh. The first four hours are rough, guys. Um, but it, get, it picks up later on. Don't worry. No, there's not that. There's actually not that much. The um, <clears throat> so uh, another thing that that I was a part of, and this was actually this year, earlier this year, I participated. So it is rare for me to do these art shows because I don't post a lot. I'm not very active uh, with my personal stuff. Mm. But I was able to be a part of, and this is exciting because it was an official show uh for the netflix cartoon series hilda nice which i think we talked about uh on one of our previous recap episodes we did you had Um, the doll yeah yeah i love this show it's (laughs) (laughs) i love it yeah it is it's such a cute show like a cute theme um and the artwork and the colors specifically is what i really gravitate towards with this um I don't know, for the show. Uh, but anyways, they had an official Hilda Gallery art show in L.A. earlier this year that I was able to be a part of. I actually did two pieces. Mm-hmm. They were, what do you call it when they go together? Like a company pieces, partner yeah. pieces? Well, it was like almost like a variant though, right? Like it was. Yeah, they. it was like a variant when they, I don't know. I, I make some things like this in hopes that they exist together forever. Mm. But, you know, you could have purchased one and they could have traveled different ways. But luckily, they did sell. Both of them sold and they sold to the same individual. So they exist. They're hanging on a wall together um, from an actual Netflix employee, which is doubly cool. Yeah, that's very good. So Netflix put on this show. Uh, it was, it actually, I don't know if, if somebody got the rights to do the show. Oh, oh, it was actually at CTN's uh, office or headquarters, oh. if you will. Um, I think, so that was just the destination or the location for the gallery. Uh, but it was an official show and it was, I don't know, it was a lot of fun. I love being a part of these shows. Again, I don't do it very often, but tooting my own horn here. <laughs> For all of these official shows that I've been a part of, I'm super proud of this. I have sold 100% of the pieces that I've made <laughs> for an official show. So the Squared Co. ones don't count because I don't have a big audience and uh, those are not the official ones. Those are like fan shows. But for the official gallery shows that I've been a part of, 100% of them have sold. Did you go to the show, this show, or was it? I went to the opening. You did. Um, It's, it's crazy how like quick a room can fill. Yeah. Especially these gallery spaces. A lot of times they're pretty tight to begin with. So it was, it was a really great turnout. It was full um, by the time that I got there and when I left, which is a good sign. Um, I did not see that coveted red dot next to my pieces when I went there, but I found out later that they had sold. During the opening, they had like a DJ and drinks uh, and they had little photo ops. I wish that I'd known that they were gonna do that ahead of time and I would have tried to create a photo op for this event as well. Um, But it was still a really fun event and there was, uh, the cool thing about this is seeing just like the variety of different styles applied to this one 
subject. Yeah. How so, are the, how are the pieces? Um, I mean, just like any other show, there's a lot that were really good, and then some that weren't really my taste. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so it was kind of a, a mixed bag. The creator of Hilda, it was actually originally like a, a graphic novel or a comic mm-hmm. book series. He did a piece, uh, so that was really cool. You yeah, know, that's like having uh, Mike Mignola do a Hellboy piece for a Hellboy show or right, you know, right. one of the other big creators. So, and another cool thing, his piece was next to mine. So that was fun. Um, not that that means anything. <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, I hope that I, one day I become better about sharing and doing more personal work. So I have the opportunity to do more shows like this, but yeah, like I said earlier, I need an excuse to do work so this was a great opportunity to do something that I actually was really proud of the two pieces that I did and almost forgot you had a big part in this piece, whether you know it or not. So ah. I had the generic idea uh, of what I wanted to do, but I was struggling with the composition mm-hmm. and I asked for your help or feedback and crit- some critiques and you're like, oh, just do one, two, three. And I'm like, oh shit, it's so easy. And yes, (laughs) it makes this whole thing so much better. Um, so thank you for that. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, sometimes you're looking at this thing so long that it it takes some, you know, external eye. That's nice that you even took the advice. Most people don't like to take the advice because I think a lot of people feel like, well, now it's not my idea or something like that. But, um, I mean, it's, Yeah, I mean, I did everything. You just gave me a little advice. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I agree. I agree. So that's great. That's fantastic. Uh, all right, so the last thing that I want to talk about, this happened the end of uh, last year, so in December. Uh, we actually had the opportunity to go and get a nice tour of the Hollywood Funko. Oh, yeah. What do you got, like a flagship store? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So... I, so we talked about how, like the pop up, uh, all these different pop ups that we've both been to, both together and individually. And this store, for those of you that have not been there, it is a, it is a store. Um, it's not designed to be one of these photo op experiences, but it does serve as one. So we actually were able to go in there before they opened. So we kind of had like a a special opportunity to roam around this without other people in the store um, and get, you know, some like behind the scenes looks and stuff. But it was the way the store is set up. It is like a, an experience. Oh, for sure. Great. We spent probably like two hours in this place and like, there was no pressure of other people around or like having to move quicker or slower. So we went at our own pace um, but I, I think if you are a fan of Funko or pop culture in general, you could easily spend an hour plus in here and not even buy anything, but just go to experience, uh, this store. Yeah. It felt like a theme park store, uh, like a universal yeah, studios thing or something like that. Like it's a massive store. The thing is just it's huge, humongous. Uh, so, and then it's these huge oversized installations of Funko pops. Uh, and they're different. They're different product lines, but um, it's mostly these things. Like the because the merchandise itself is so small, it mm-hmm. feels like that takes up a very small <laughs> section of 
of the you know of the store. The, the, it's these installations that are huge, um, and so they just dwarf all the merchandise parts of it. So they'll, they'll break it up. It's like if there's a Harry Potter section, there's a DC section, a lot right. of Disney, big Disney um, area, like a horror section. And these a Star Wars section and these big, humongous uh, statues and, and things where you can kind of get into it or stand next to it uh, right. or, or whatever. But the merchandise would be there, too. But it's such a small part of it. Like you could easily. Yeah. I think we did a whole like second loop just to buy stuff. Yeah, we were just running around. There was different photo ops. The, the one of the like the best things, in my opinion, was that it wasn't just like here's a giant Funko like in the corner. It was actually immersive. So yeah, they had yeah. scenes and, you know, I'm not actually a Rick and Morty fan, but the Rick and mm. Morty installation was so cool yeah. that it had like a, a false background that was a Rick and Morty neighborhood of some sort and like a UFO that had crashed in one of the front lawns. But you could actually go into the UFO and take a picture next to uh, Funko Rick and Morty, which... Is so cool, and then uh, they had a what was the other really interactive one? Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. You could yeah. ride the dragon. Uh, so again, it's not like just recreating a scene, um, or like you said with the Britney Spears one, it's just like recreating a moment. Yeah, you actually could get immersed into the thing. Um, yeah, they had a for the Star Wars area. You could they had an actual cantina that you could go into. Yeah. And sit across from Funko Greedo, which was cool. They actually, you could sit in the land speeder, which yeah. was great. So, like, not only was it a really fun uh, store, but all of these different sections had really immersive uh, photo ops instead yeah. of just, like I said, a character standing up here or there. I assume, you know, I'm sure people buy like crazy in that store, but I, I after we did that, I'm like, they could charge admission probably. For, oh, yeah. The, you know, like have a store up front and say like, if you want to go to the back, it's three bucks or five bucks or something like that. Because there's so much to to take photos. It's really, that's what it is. It's just to take photos. I think there's an area where you can do your own custom Funko Pop, like pick mm-hmm. the, the things. That was pretty cool. I don't think that was... Was that running when we were there? Like it, it wasn't. I don't because it was just yeah. before opening, so I think it mm-hmm. wasn't happening yet. Uh, the the cereal room where they had all the the yeah. mascots that was my favorite room because yeah, that yeah. felt a little different than the other stuff. Um, but yeah, I thought it was. I loved it. I thought it was great. It's 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 right down the street from that. It's a it's a ways from the all the Hollywood. It's uh, on the thing. same street as like the El Capitan and where the stars are. Um, Kodak I forget what that theater, yeah the Dolby the, the Dolby theater yeah right I forget what that that section's called but it's I mean it is a few blocks away um if you're ambitious like I think you were that day I think you can walk yeah that yeah um I am not as ambitious uh this is one of those moments where I would say I'm just gonna pay for parking so I don't have to walk down so many blocks like you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an example going full circle here. It wasn't too um, bad, but yeah, I would probably Uber or something even. Because <laughs> you could probably park down, like most people go to that area, that that Hollywood area, which is pretty gross actually. But yeah, um, yeah so you could probably just go right to that fungus. I think they have parking and everything like that. It's a little hard to see from the street. Like they're, they're actually, surprisingly, it's a lot of windows, but the mm-hmm. front isn't overly 
like decorated with stuff, right? Right. There's so no I think figures outside or anything like that. Their actual headquarters for Funko is like it's not Seattle, but somewhere close to Seattle right. in Washington. And they have like a tower of a building yeah. with like characters coming out of the sides and like climbing up the walls. Yeah. Um, for the one in Hollywood, it has like a relatively unassuming uh, sign and yeah, a lot of windows, but nothing too crazy coming out of the actual building. Yeah, no, but a beautiful store. Well worth a visit if you're in that area. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. So much fun. So grateful to uh, Mike. <laughs> for Mr. For, Funko himself. Yeah, for, for <laughs> setting that up for us. Really very nice of him. So yeah, yeah. that was great. Uh, that was a fun kind of, that was for you and I, because that was just a week or so before I had my knee surgery. That was like the, the cap for the year. Oh, was that um, what it was? Was it before? Oh God, I can't remember. It was right before. Oh no, we did. Star Wars was the last thing I did like in the real world before I had my surgery. Oh, the movie um, was the last yeah. thing? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think those were, might've been the same week though. Was it the same? I don't know. Yeah. The end of that. Time is just bleeding all sorts of ways now and everything's a little bit skewed. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> that's all that I have on my list for this episode. I do want to continue making uh, episodes for this podcast. I'm not planning to go on a hiatus uh, like we did previously. But to be completely honest, I don't know what if we can milk uh, content during this quarantine. I'm not that creative in speaking topics. Uh, so we relied heavily on our like what we were up to mm. to fill our maybe podcast before. we should maybe do like Netflix reviews since that's all everyone's <laughs> doing. Right. Uh, Talk endlessly about the rise of Skywalker and all of that. In- <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I mean, so I don't know. Maybe we'll do like a lot of short episodes or something as opposed to this lengthy one. But we did have a lot to cover this episode. Um, anyways, I hope that you enjoyed having us back on the podcast. Uh, I don't know who that's for, but Aww. that doesn't even make sense. Thank you <clears throat> for listening. We're hoping to do this again regularly. But uh, for today, that is all. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you later. 